Don King rose from a life of hardship and crime to become the most successful boxing promoter the sport has ever seen, the first black man to do so. It was his own American dream. Don's flamboyant appearance, dizzying wit, and commanding personality made him a star in and out of the ring, as did his promotion of greats like Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, and even America's musical dynasty, the Jacksons. But his less-than-honest exploits? They made him legendary. Don King may have taken advantage of his fighters and burned a lot of bridges, but he always seemed to find another. Power. Don King, the third installment of Something Else's Power series, tells the story of one of entertainment's most controversial figures. Hosted by Panama Jackson, this season asks, what does it take to get to the top and stay there in a sport famed for money and excess? Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. This show contains strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Don King. You know, I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't know who Don King was. Like, he was just always present, just there. Even folks who don't know why he's famous know he's famous. How many other boxing promoters does the average person know who's not into boxing? I feel like it was impossible for me not to have any awareness of who Don King was. I mean, just listen to the man. Listen to what he does with the English language. It's going to be so illustrious. It's going to be so majestic. Such regal splendor. If I had had opportunity to promote you, it would have been something just SKD, as we say in the vernacular of the ghetto. Something kind of different. I'm a guy who loves people. I'm an American. I'm a people guy. I'm going to promote other people for the people. And my magic lies in my people ties. And if you know Don King, you know his signature hair. That anti-gravity, sticking straight up, frosted tip looks like he got electrocuted hair. And it didn't stop there. Everything about Don King's look was wild. Don, all six foot four of them, would roll up in a floor-length fur coat, flashy tuxedo, blinged out chains and rings. And he would just take over. The guy's always like front and center. It's a little bit ironic because he's a promoter. His job really is to put someone else front and center. But somehow Don King always brought the spotlight back to himself. And when he did... And when he did, it never disappointed. So yeah, Don King definitely liked The Flash. But he was also a marketing genius. I mean, the man came up with the Rumble in the Jungle and the Thriller in Manila. Two of the most legendary Muhammad Ali fights of all time. Or flash forward to him raising a young Mike Tyson in his arms after Tyson won another fight. Or jump to the part where he's out there promoting acts like Michael Jackson or rubbing shoulders with Nelson Mandela or both George Bushes. Or cheesing next to James Brown in the middle of Africa. There's a reason people flock to him. Don King had it. A genius for business and a genius for people. He made boxers into millionaires. And he did pretty well for himself too. Don ended up with multi-million dollar estates all around the country, a fleet of fancy cars. He even built an eight-foot replica of the Statue of Liberty at one of his homes because he was rich and because he could. But there was a flip side. If Don was a master of getting attention, he was also a master of generating controversy. Controversy that the press was all too happy to cover. 
King has been sued more than anyone in boxing history. The target of a federal investigation into tax evasion and fraud charges. He spends millions fighting lawsuits from boxers alleging he cheated them out of fight money. Now, I'm not saying they're wrong. In fact, that's all true. And they didn't even mention the part about Don King killing a man. Well, two men, actually. And they left out the part about the mob. But look, the boxing world Don was operating in, it wasn't the kind of place where anybody was exactly playing by the rules. Or where there even were rules. Like my buddy Michael Harriet, the culture writer, puts it, if you're serious about trying to understand Don, you kind of got to look at the whole picture. Everybody knows somebody like Don King. Don King is a storefront preacher who you know is sleeping with the women in the church, but he's still giving out scholarships to the kids. And we've always known somebody like Don King who was unscrupulous, but when you add up the losses and the positives, you come out on the ledger ahead of the game. And that's what Don King was, right? So yeah, you couldn't always trust Don King, but the man was a genius and he had to be to be the first black promoter to rise to the sport and entertainment heights that he did. As boxing journalist Radio Raheem puts it, At his peak, you couldn't really get anything done at the highest levels of the sport without encountering Don King one way or another. For more than 30 years, Don King controlled boxing. So that kind of power, well, that power corrupts. But... When Don got asked about this in an interview with Roy Firestone, well, he had a very different answer. No one can make a griff sound better than Don King. I have not done anything other than revolutionize the sport of boxing, pay more money to fighters than ever been paid in the history of the world, put a new glamour, a new type of flamboyance to the sport to give it a little grandeur and a little dignity and pride to the youngsters that are fighting, made more millionaires out of prize fighters than anyone in the history of the world has ever done. This is season three of Power. In the next seven episodes, we're going to go deep into the shady, lawless world of boxing and learn how Don King, this poor kid from Cleveland, Ohio, spent his life taking it over. His come up was his own American dream. Did he push boundaries? Yes. Did he break the rules? Yes. Did he burn bridges? Yes. But did he succeed? You're goddamn right he did. It's a story about celebrity, race, bright lights, and capitalism in all its messy glory. I'm Panama Jackson, and from something else, this is Power, Don King. Now, Don King didn't start out as the electric-haired, tux-wearing, fast-talking caricature. He started out as a poor kid on the east side of Cleveland, hustling. The Don King in Cleveland was different from the Don King in New York or any other city in the world. Because in Cleveland, most folks knew him as Donald or the kid. That's who he was. This blast from Don's past is his longtime friend who still refers to him as Donald himself. My name is Clarence Rogers, an attorney from Cleveland, Ohio. Don's dad died in an accident at the steel plant where he worked when Don was 10. And Don and his family had to hustle to make ends meet. 
His mom and sister would bake pies that Don and his brothers would go out and sell. They also sold bags of peanuts at local gambling houses. And before long, Don got into the gambling game himself. He started moving his way up in the numbers business, which was basically an unofficial, okay, an illegal version of the lottery. And before long, Don was making a lot of money and attracting the wrong kind of attention. Like the time in 1954 when three men from Detroit tried to jack him. The way Don tells it, they busted in, he grabbed his gun, and they shoot it out in his living room. He ended up killing one of the guys. Charges were filed, but Don claimed self-defense and amazingly, they were dropped. Then, three years later, some of his rivals firebombed his house. But even the risk of jail time or getting killed wasn't going to make Don quit. He was hungry, ambitious. Don started looking past the numbers life, past Cleveland even, trying to connect with some of the famous people who came through town, like Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Lloyd Price. This is Price from a 2012 interview. You know, Don was very big out in Cleveland with numbers, and he had a nightclub. Oh, yeah, the nightclub. Don took some of that numbers money and opened the New Corner Tavern Supper Club. But when Don tried to get Price to do a gig, Price wasn't so sure. I said, you want me to work your club? You got to give me something to work in. Now that's Lloyd's version. The place seated 600 people and even had a rotating stage. It was a part of the Chitlin circuit and booked all these big names like B.B. King and Muddy Waters. So come on, Lloyd. By the mid-60s, it was the spot for musicians and celebrities making their way through Cleveland. Lloyd was a big deal then, and he was well-connected. And he was willing to bring Don into that world. I introduced him to Muhammad Ali on his daughter's fifth birthday. I'm pretty sure my parents just took me to Chuck E. Cheese. I had him to sing happy birthday to her, and Don said, man, let me talk to the champ, let me talk to the champ. And then Ali was like, you should be my promoter. And Don was like, Absolutely, we're gonna take over this sport. Nah, that's not how it went down. In fact, there was a lot Don had to go through before he ever came anywhere near boxing. The violence that swirled around the numbers game, it was about to bring Don King's money-making, Cadillac-driving, kingpin lifestyle to a screeching halt. In 